Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of All Queued Up, the review podcast tied to streaming services like HBO Max, Disney Plus, Netflix, what have you. I'm your host, Greg Dietz, and with me always is Maya Don Fisher. How are you doing today? Or this week? Whatever. I've had a busy week. Uh, you too, good. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Monday, I went for my fourth session of laser hair removal uh, on my face and neck. Uh, it's progressing swimmingly. Um, so I'm almost at the halfway point. I've got 10 sessions, so and it, you go every four to six weeks. So I'll go back first week of January. Uh, yesterday I had therapy appointment with my regular therapist and boy, that was a loaded session with everything that's happened in the past three weeks. And I told her all about it and she said, I handled these situations quite admirably. Uh, and in her estimation, I did the, I handled them in the correct fashion for my own mental health. Um, and you know, which situations I'm referring to. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, suck it. If you don't like that answer. Um, and then yesterday I had to go to the residency clinic next to the hospital where I had my leg amputated. Uh, and my prosthesis has been fitting not so well. And anytime I wear it, I've experienced extreme discomfort. Well, I have incredible control of what remains of my calf muscle. Um, and I can flex, you know, I've, we've, we've, we've talked about how I can still feel my foot, and my toes and everything. Yeah. And sometimes I'll get, uh, you know, pain. Sometimes I'll get itches. Uh, it really sucks when you get an itch on a body part that's no longer there that you can't fucking scratch, but you still feel it. Oh my God, it's the worst. Uh, or a cramp that you can't massage away. Um, but yeah. Like, the itch can be tolerable to an extent, but the cramp, fuck that. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. But I always still feel my foot. I've never stopped feeling my foot. So, as a result, I'm all the time flexing my calf and moving my foot around. Like, right now, I'm just rotating my foot in a circle, you know, back and forth. What would be a circle? Uh, you know, I do it to keep that muscle memory there. To keep the muscle strong and also too because it gives me a sense of when i put my prosthetic on it's like sliding a shoe on my missing foot and then my foot can make contact with the ground because i feel the vibrations and everything so i can actually feel the ground with my foot and you know it feels normal like i don't have it on right now so my foot's just trying to find the ground it's trying to make contact and it's like what the fuck but once I put it on, yeah. But as a result, because of how large the muscle is, I have, um, and it's, they suspect that there is a little bit of adhesion to my fibula. Uh, mm. So the muscle is kind of off-centered. And a big mass goes to the right side, the outside of my knee. So when I have my prosthesis on, think a flexed muscle with something hard pressed up against it all the time 
all the time, continual pressure. It's gotten uh, a very unsatisfactory level of discomfort. Yeah, and car rides, car rides are unbearable because I have to, where I'm so tall, uh, we have a CRV. So when I sit in the CRV, my leg, I can't fully extend my leg because of the dashboard. It doesn't allow for it because I have a large foot. Um, but I have to put my leg at an angle, like angle, put the foot over towards the left foot and mm-hmm. angle my angle it, you know, inwards because of that riding in a car causes intense pain. Uh, we were coming back from Johnson city, which is a two hour drive on the way over. By the time I got there, I was in agony. Uh, on the way back, I made it about 10 minutes into the drive home. I had to take my prosthetic off and ride the rest of the way home without it on and put it on when we got home uh, to get out of the car just to walk into the house. So yesterday I had to go. They had to make some adjustments to it because it had decreased in height because over time it slips and it has to be periodically yeah. readjusted. Um, so they readjusted the height you know, made sure I was walking okay because where it's too small, my right leg was naturally becoming shorter than my left leg. And when I would walk, I would have to overcompensate with my left leg, uh, putting more strain on my left hip, also torquing my lower right back. So my lower right back has been killing me for weeks now. Uh, This simple like it doesn't even have to be that significant. This was like a half an inch in height. They adjusted it. Oh, so much better. But they uh, put me through a series of evaluations yesterday, a series of balance tests, uh, skill tests, things like that, things I could can do uh, to see what I'm hindered from. And I'm like, as long as it doesn't involve running or anything athletic, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just not, I'm never going to run a marathon. It's just not going to happen. Right. <laughs> uh, but that was the case before. Uh, but yeah, uh, they took a new casting of my leg uh, and fitted me for what they call the uh, definitive socket, which is one of those sleek carbon fiber shells that you see people with uh, that have prosthesis. Uh, yeah. So... I go back in two weeks and hopefully the parts will be in by then. But yeah, it's, I'm going to have several visits dealing with that over the next few weeks, uh, right before Christmas and after the new year. But I'm excited because they're giving me a new foot as well with the new definitive socket and the foot's adjustable that I can make adjustments to it myself when I want to say change shoes and say go from wearing a pair of flat sold tennis shoes to say wear a pair of boots that has a little bit of a heel i can adjust for that so yeah i'm excited about that that's good Uh, and i know i just spent like six or seven minutes just talking about all that how about you greg how have you been doing this past week uh i'm doing good um it's just been like you know between trying to get time in to play new games and then, you know, working and, 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 and dealing with uh, stuff with my folks. Like it's just, you know, constantly something to do constantly, something to keep me busy, which is not bad, but you know, things 
things happen. Um, I'm going to be starting, uh, actually today I'll be starting um, Instacart. So that's exciting. We'll see how that goes. Cool. Um, but I wanted to get this out of the way quickly. You all should know, listeners, where, you know, my and I's politics stand. We've been very clear on that in the past. So I'd just like to point out very quickly, uh, fuck people like the Crumblies. May they rot in prison. Straight up. Their kid and the parents. Um, fuck them. I'm glad they got caught. Anyway. Yeah. Piss, pisses me the fuck off. Like, the more I hear about that story, I'm like, oh. Um, yeah. and, and vicariously, or not even vicariously, in relation to that, it just angers me about the whole Rittenhouse situation that much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Which uh, is broken. Anyway. Um, so I wanted to tell you a story that I read the other day that I thought was actually kind of interesting. I found, I found it fascinating. Um. So you know who Chad, Chad Kroger is, right? Uh, lead singer of Nickelback. Oh, I'm aware. I'm aware. Uh, so I found out that like for the past like 25 years or so, he's been going around the country to every single state and performing in this nativity scene. Yeah, um, yeah, he's been. I've heard this. You've heard where the story goes. I know where the story goes. Do you? He's never made it as a wise man. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I was really excited. I pulled that one on Andy last night, and he was like, "You fucking dick!" <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I was so happy. I was so excited to tell you that too. Son of a bitch! All right. Well, when? Did, how long has that joke been out? Like, because I—that's the first time I heard it yesterday. Oh really? Yeah. I saw it in a meme once, and I don't remember where or when, but I did see it resurface recently. So as soon as you said he's going around the country performing in nativity scenes, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> you got to ruin it for me. I was so excited. That's what I do. All right. Well, um, I mean, I'm literally the worst. So uh, uh, I have two more things on my, on my list here that I, I do want to get out. Cause it was like, it was like, fuck the crumblies, the Chad Kroger joke. Um, so I don't know if anyone knows about it. But we've reviewed every season, or I guess it's two seasons, but we've reviewed the boys on this podcast. Um, And I might have mentioned it in the past, but um, on the seventh of every month, they do a short, like, six to seven minute video on uh, their official, like, I think it's like Vought Enterprises YouTube channel. But it's called Seven on Seven. And it's basically like if Fox News existed in the... Universe uh, of the Boys. Yeah. And it's, dude, it's so fucking good. Like, and it's, it keeps going to keep you updated on, like, what's going on in the world and, and that universe and kind of remind you of what's going on before season three starts. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I highly recommend checking out seven. Uh, like, just if you type in just seven on seven, it'll take you to the web channel, the, the YouTube channel. But do you like, hope. I mean, it should. Like, it take you to should. other. It might take you to other corners. Why would it do that? Literally, the show is called Seven on Seven. Seven. I'm on... sure there's. I'm sure there's a porn out there called Seven on Seven. I said, type it into YouTube. Oh, not Google. No, not no, not Google. Well, that's different. That is different. 
Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll confirm this. I just typed in seven on seven into Google or to, to YouTube. And it took me to a bunch of uh, like IGN videos that have already reposted it. So you have to scroll down pretty far to find the official one. But yeah, anyway, it's funny. Like they have a whole parody of, uh, of uh, Michael and Dell on there. It's pretty great. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and what makes it so clever too, is that because it's a parody on like a conservative talk uh, morning not talk show, but um, news program, very similar to Fox news or something to that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, us, the viewers know that characters like Homelander and Vought are, are evil. They're not good. And yeah. um, so watching this, this news anchor completely defend everything that Homelander or any of the superheroes do or what Vought international does is fascinating like it's it's fucking spot on so i just wanted to throw it out there like check that out if you can it's it's definitely worth your time uh the last the last thing on my docket before we get to our reviews of today that i want to bring up is this conversation was brought up recently and i don't remember for what we were talking about but um it's something that i think so Oh, that's what it was. Okay, so I recently saw Ghostbusters Afterlife, right? Now, I'm not going to talk about the movie because I don't think everyone's seen it. I think it's spoiler territory at the moment. Yeah, I still need to see it. I've just um, not been able to go. But what I will say is that it it's, it heavily relies on nostalgia. That's right. I remember where, I remember where I talked about this. Okay. Um, because uh, uh, Michelle, she went and saw it with two of her friends. And... Uh, one of the girls was like, it's too heavy on nostalgia. One of the other girls said um, that it was, it was just like, it was perfect except for a little bit of the too much over nostalgia. And then Michelle was like hundred percent in on it. So uh, the reason I mentioned this is because one of my biggest problems with people and certain media is this strong, strong attachment to nostalgia to the extent that we are now getting media that completely hinges on it, um, entirely hinges on it. Now, I think Ghostbusters Afterlife is fucking fantastic. Does it hinge on nostalgia? Fucking absolutely. Is it one of those things where they could have made that movie without hinging on nostalgia? Yes, very much yes. Um. And I think nostalgia is such an interesting thing because when when discussing nostalgia, you get this strange dichotomy between people. And nostalgia is you know, very much tied to age. Like, for example, my nostalgia when it comes to Spider-Man is usually tied to the comics of the 90s cartoon. But talking to my neighbors who, are, who were born in 96, their nostalgia is tied to the Tobey Maguire trilogy. Or Sam Raimi trilogy. That is a wild concept to me. Because now you have Spider-Man that lives in multiple generations nostalgia. Right? Ghostbusters is kind of the same thing. But because there was never any, like, more Ghostbusters after the 80s. And I guess kind of if you count the early 90s with the cartoons. Um... You don't really have the younger generation having nostalgia for it unless it's the same nostalgia. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, 
And then there's something that we're going to review here, <clears throat> review here in a minute, which is the uh, Masters of the Universe Revelations. Because to me, Masters of the Universe Revelations relies quite significantly on nostalgia. Oh, 100%. But it's, it's very divided amongst fans. Um, yeah, because you have your purists out there that are angry because it's not what they had when they were a kid. But your nostalgia and their nostalgia are arguably the same. That's the wild part to me. It's, it's the perspective that each individual puts on it. I suppose, but, you know, in, in the same, in that same light, you know, it's, that's, that's, that's my point. That's entirely my point is that nostalgia is such a fucking fickle thing. And the reason that I mentioned this, the reason I'm bringing it up entirely is, and I've said this before on the podcast, if you've ever used the phrase, it ruined my childhood or it ruined uh, the original or something to that effect, Fuck you weren't ever childhood. really, yeah, you weren't really ever a fan. Like, I hate using that phrase, like, oh, true fan, blah, blah, but it's accurate. You are entirely hinging your memory on this thing that you love based on how you liked it back then. And I, and I, and I guarantee you, nine times out of ten, that thing you loved is garbage now. Straight oh, up. absolutely. You know um, how hard it is to go back and watch a lot of the things I loved as a kid that I still have love for? Old He-Man is back. rough as fuck to watch. Oh, God, it's awful. It's flat out awful. It was awful then. <laughs> I mean, I but it was made care. to sell toys. Like that's... I didn't care much for the He-Man cartoon when I was a kid. Loved the fucking toys. But that's, all, that's all Hasbro cared about. It's Hasbro, right? Mattel. Mattel. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just... It was just an interesting, like conversation to, to talk about because it was you know a bunch of people the same age talking about whether this new ghostbusters movie was too nostalgic or not and i totally get that conversation i totally understand it too many times maya have i seen people get into heated arguments because their nostalgia reigns supreme you know their vision of something is so fucking concrete and strong that they cannot will not yield to that thought like, I mean, we could talk about, like, Last Jedi, for example. I saw a debates about that again online. Because uh, some girl was making a complaint that the First Order had um, snow trooper outfits in the on the sand planet of Crate. And I'm like, so? They're all weather environmental suits, and they have you know filters and their helmets uh, yeah it, it, it was because of the filters is why they did it um the there's a book that came out in like 96 or some shit like that that talks about their storm the snow troopers helmets or outfits and it's 100 for just harsh weather yeah and if you look at that fucking planet that they were on crate i mean the surface is coated in what is that it looks like uh, crystal some type of fine crystals you know if the wind kicks up that shit's going to cut you to shreds well regardless of her trash opinion and trying to dissect and 
dismantle that movie, even though it's borderline perfect. Um, I mean, it's not perfect. There's problems, but the problems that people complain about aren't it. Uh, like, for example, the, com- the, 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 the conversation around Luke. You know, people bitching and complaining about his character. It's fuck. It's great. <laughs> it's fucking great. Like, people go, oh, well, uh, J- Ryan Johnson didn't fulfill the the promises of what J.J. Abrams had set up for Luke at the end of uh, Force Awakens. And somebody else was like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? That Luke was just going to have exiled himself for some odd amount of years and then suddenly go like, all right, I'm back in the game. Like, <laughs> like J.J. set that up and Ryan just knocked it out of the fucking park. That's it. And then every fucking fan, like, well, the, the loud majority, immediately was just like, now my Luke is a superhero because of my nostalgia. And then fucking, you know, Catherine Kennedy and J.J. Abrams folded. That's what happened. You can't convince me otherwise. Colin Trevorrow made an entire fucking Star Wars movie based off of what... I'm getting on a fucking Star Wars rant, and that's not the point of this conversation. The point of this conversation is that you cannot allow your nostalgia to dictate how good something is or isn't. Full on, full stop. Can nostalgia be an enhancement? Yes. Just like if I cook a good steak... Whether I marinate it before or not, it's all about the process of me cooking it. That's going to make it good. That's it. Not the last time how you had it. If, if, if you had a steak, let's say you have a fucking porterhouse and you loved it, right? This is not, this is not the best analogy, but fu- fucking follow me here. So you have a porterhouse and you fucking love it. And a week later you go, I want another one of those. That was great, but I can't go back to the same place because they're closed or whatever. So you go, okay, I'm going to go to this new place. I'm going to order a porterhouse. They marinate their porterhouse in like their own brine that has Worcestershire and maybe some soy sauce or something in it. So it has a different, a slightly different flavor, but it's still really good. But you immediately go, I hated that second steak because it wasn't like the first steak. That's what you're doing. That's a hundred percent what the fuck you're doing. So... What if they're vegetarian? I don't know the vegetarian equivalent of a good porterhouse steak, but I'm sure it's there somewhere. A good piece of tofu? I don't... Okay, now you're just making shit up. What? Tofu? Tofu's real. The real thing. No, a good piece of tofu. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this much. We, my dad and I get food at this uh, vegan like Chinese restaurant here in town, and they actually like make really good deep fried tofu dishes. Yeah, it's the only way you can make it good is to deep fry it. Let's throw batter on this shit and throw it in fucking 400 degrees worth of oil. Dude, <sighs> fucking like uh, tofu takes on the flavor of whatever you cook it with, and I don't know how people make tofu that just tastes like fucking air. Like I don't, I don't understand that. That's it's it's fucking bizarre to me. But no, it's just I I just I mean back to the it's 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 fucking annoying. Like hearing people sit there and say like they're 
I don't know, dude. Like, I'm just, it's, it's fucking obnoxious. Like, I'm tired of people holding on to these memories from within their youth so strongly. Like, yes, we all have trauma. We all have lived through some of the hardest fucking times in American history. Um, and, and we latch onto the things that made us happy in our youth. Yes, it's a psychological reaction, 100%. However, you're an adult and you should be smart enough to separate the two and be like, yes, I love this thing from my youth, but this thing over here also, fuck it, 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 it can be good. I mean, this happened recently with the, with Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. And it fucking drove me up a goddamn wall. I'm like, man, I could critique this thing without bringing in my nostalgia. Why the fuck can't you do the same? And and then and then people get mad at me and they're just like, how dare you like question my like like or dislike of them? I'm, like, I'm gonna fucking question it. I'm gonna question it because you're making the dumbest goddamn excuses and arguments. It's wild, just fucking wild to me that people do this. And it's frustrating. It frustrates me to no end because I want to sit there and be like, yeah, the new, the, the, this, this new thing based off of an old thing is good. And then you got people going, nah, because it didn't fit this exact parameters of my fucking nostalgia. And I'm just like, well, your fucking nostalgia sucks. Your childhood sucks. Like, I don't know what else to say to that. It, it's, it's, it's annoying, man. Like it's, it's fucking annoying. I'm just like I like I, I've used this I've I've told I've told this on the podcast a few times, but one of the one of the bigger things that I always point out the thing that I always bring up whenever this conversation gets 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 brought back up is uh, um, Total Recall. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody loves the '80s movie, everybody knows it, everybody quotes it. It's it's a it's a classic, but and then they go, oh well, the 2012 one with with uh, I can't even remember the actor's name. It fucking Colin sucks. Farrell. Colin Farrell, thank you. Like it sucks and blah 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 blah. And I'm like, no, it sucks. Like they'll say it sucks because it's not like the original, or or it 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 hurt the original, or some shit like that. And I'm like, no, it sucks because it sucks. Like that's as simple as it gets. It sucks. Just like Ghostbusters 2016, the all-female version sucks. It's just a bad movie. It was a bad script. It was poorly executed. Yeah. Yes. Um, All right. Anyway, the the comment I was going to say about the the Total Recall thing is that that remake of Total Recall, it's just not a good movie on its own merit. It's not, yeah. a, it's not a bad movie because it doesn't go to the other one. But here's the funny part to me that always fucking kills me when it when people, when we talk about, or I make this analogy or I ask people this, I'm like, where were you in the eighties when, uh, um, when this movie was being made and bitching that it wasn't like we can remember it for you wholesale, where were you? You weren't there. You're like, what's that? Yeah, they don't know that it's based off that book. It's just, oh, it's fucking stupid, dude. Anyway, okay, sorry. I'm done with my rant. point I'm getting at is when we talk about things that are being remade now or made into live action, remakes, adaptations, remasters, it doesn't matter. Stop bringing your fucking nostalgia into it and grade it on its own goddamn merits. That's what I'm trying to say. Anyway, that being said, 
uh, uh, Masters of the Universe Revelations. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> so, if you guys don't know, if you haven't watched it yet, there was uh, it's been a, it's been a two parter thing. About what three four months ago, part one came out. Yeah, back in the summer. Uh, I think it was around July, mid July. Really, wow, it felt like it was closer than that. But um, it may have been August. I don't know. I'll look it up because I I'm think curious. it was July. Um, what Masters of the Universe Revelations is is Kevin Smith and a bunch of other people got together and decided to make a fully adult, more adult. I mean, kids can watch it, but more adult animated um, uh, show that takes place after the He-Man cartoon from the eighties. Um, the first half of season one, because they separated it into two parts. Um, the first half uh, is basically like Skeletor's final assault on Castle Grayskull. Um, if you don't know the lore to, 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 to He-Man, which I didn't going into this, uh, Castle Grayskull is, that, is, is where it holds all the power and that He-Man was protecting Castle Grayskull. I didn't know that. For years, I legitimately thought the Castle Grayskull was just Skeletor's castle. Hmm. Like, I, I, a lot of that has to do with the fact I never watched the cartoons. I didn't like it. It's a hard cartoon to like. If you di if you didn't watch it as like a fucking six year old, uh, or seven year old, uh, in the case of me when it, when it first came out, I was seven. Uh, even July. then, I struck. Yeah, I thought it was July. Uh, even then, as a seven year old, I found it a difficult cartoon for me to enjoy. Uh, because the original figures came with mini comics, and they told a completely different story. And it was different from what I knew. And it was hard for me to get into it because it was the mini comics were, you know, for a six year old at the time they were when they came out, they were uh, pretty heavy and kind of dark and a lot different. So now you have this lighthearted He Man who never uses his sword except to maybe slice a rock open but is usually punching everything um it was it was it was different and you know characters that weren't in the mini comics that didn't have action figures you're like oh who in the hell is orco you know uh yeah. so so yeah yeah but it was it was marketed for little kids to sell toys 100 like there's that there's that whole boy did it of, ever uh, yeah yeah i was like there's that episode of um the toys, toys that, made, that us. made us that talked about that and it's really fucking cool uh but yeah like so this show um it's definitely built around the idea of like hey do you vaguely remember he-man cool let's let's dive in like and i i really appreciate that because again like i said i didn't know any of the story i had weird ideas of what was what was going on in the first episode just like without doing like direct dialogue teaches you everything essentially like it's I like mean, eterna eternia runs on fucking magic and the source of that magic is in castle grayskull which is what he-man was protecting and skeletor wants it that that's, that's all you need to know going into this yeah and it does that like in the first fucking 10 minutes it's awesome uh 
but yeah, the first episode has like a very shocking ending to it. Um, He-Man and uh, well, I guess Prince Adam technically and Skeletor basically like kill just, each other. Yeah. They kill each other by destroying the magic in Eternia uh, or the source of the magic, I should say. And then it picks up like, what five years after that ordeal? After that fight, I don't remember exactly how many years, but I think it was five. It could have been less. Yeah, uh, but I don't think it was more than five. But I'm not one hundred percent sure. It, yeah, it wasn't super long, but it was long enough to be like, "Oh, Eternia is now a different place. Like it's become a different place because there's no magic left in Eternia." And um, what makes this so fucking cool is, uh, um, it then follows Tila exclusively uh if you don't know who tila is she was a uh she fought next to to, next to he-man in the old cartoon she's fighting next to he-man in the beginning of this cartoon and um uh yeah it's her it's her journey to basically figure out how to restore um magic to eternia um and we're going to spoil it a little bit, at least the first half, because it's been out for six months and it's on Netflix. It's, it's very easily watchable. But, um, and you're talking about five 25 minute episodes. Yeah. Super digestible. Super digestible. Even now, with, with part two being out, like it's just 10 20 minute episodes. It's not, it's not a hard watch. Um, so, like, her journey through Eternia, most of it is very, um, it's very much like teaching you certain things, teaching the audience certain things about the rules of Eternia and how, how magic was supposed to have worked and that kind of attitude, which is, which is fucking great. Um, and uh, to make matters more interesting when it comes to uh that entire aspect is that um it was also following evil in a little bit mm-hmm. and there's a reason behind that um so one of the big things about the world is that there's a there's like a cult of technology that exists i'm gonna call it a cult and oh it's uh, a cult it's 100 a cult uh, cause many faces, many faces, I think is what his name is or something like that. He's controlling it. Is that him? No, maybe not. Triclops. Triclops. Okay. Jesus. You're going to have to help me with names of characters. Cause I don't know shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Triclops and trap jaws is right hand. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think that entire story plot was just going to come back. I thought it was just showing that without magic technology was starting to become a bigger thing. Um, that's the whole point I thought of showing that until like season two and I was, or part two. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, eventually Tila like, like goes to, there's a whole part where, where Orko like sacrifices himself against the, um, Scareglow in the underworld, Subternia. I fucking love that by the way, Preternia and Subternia are heaven and hell. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Orko sacrifices himself. They they then get to Preternia, and Adam's there. He's just hanging out in Preternia, and um, he's the only champion of Grayskull who chose his 
alternate his original form instead of his champion form in the afterlife. It's like yeah. you have you have uh, all these previous He-Man uh, uh, figures. You know, there was the one in the brown uh, Wondar. Yeah, that was the Wonder Bread He-Man. Uh, you'll have to Google it. It's a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, Hero, uh, you know, King Grayskull himself, uh, they were all in their avatars of their champions. But Adam wasn't, and that was cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like I know that a lot of He-Man fans were like, "Oh my god, this is rad!" But for me, I'm like, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> like again, I because I don't know He-Man well enough to be like, "Oh, this was like this was really cool. This was sadder hitting nostalgia bone." Like it just kind of like I remember He-Man existed. My mom says we watched it a lot, but I don't fucking remember watching it at all. So, but anyway, uh, got off track there. Um, yeah, they get, I don't remember how they got Adam back to Eternia. I genuinely don't remember, but. Uh, it's been a while since I watched the first half of the series, but I think it was just, he was able to, he had, to, he could make the choice to do so. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes. But he couldn't, but if he did that, he wouldn't be able, if he died in Eternia, he wouldn't come back to preternia. That's what it was. Like he was giving up his afterlife by doing this. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I remember that much. Okay, uh, so yeah, they go back to Eternia. They they uh, go back to Castle Grayskull to figure out how to beat or not beat, but like protect the or just restore the magic or whatever. And it had turned out that Skeletor didn't die. He like basically put his essence inside Evil Lynn's staff. That's a total Voldemort Horcrux thing. It really was. Um, so he emerges. Uh, he gets the sword, and he yells, "I have the power!" Oh like, yeah, by the power he, of Grayskull or whatever. Yeah, and he turns into um, heavy metal Skeletor. His actual action figure is called Skelegod, which is kind of dope. Yeah, yeah, like it was like I remember seeing that, and and I I, I messaged Maya immediately. I'm like, this is fucking awesome <laughs> uh not to mention just to throw this out there um skeletor is voiced by mark hamill and he oh, is yeah. so awesome he is so cool uh evil Lynn was done by lena headley or really lena, uh what's her name from game of thrones lena heady i think it's heady Heady, 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 whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, she's like, yeah. well, I mean, that's the other thing about this show is that the voice acting is fucking top notch, which is saying a lot considering it's fucking Netflix, <laughs> and like nine times out of ten, their fucking voice actors are garbage. But then if you you know if you get actual you know people who can act, it's you know works out. But uh, so yeah, um, it ends with with skeleton god in the sky, and you're just like, oh fuck. Like, that's not what anybody wanted and or needed. Uh, and then part two comes out. And it picks up right the fuck where it left off. And uh, do you want to talk about part two? Because I'm drawing a blank on how it starts. 
Uh, it starts out, you see the sorceress actually leaving Duncan, a.k.a. Man-at-Arms, and baby Tila, and becoming the sorceress going through the pool of transformation, uh, right. which is something that was alluded to um, in the original series and in the 2000 series that was... If you've not seen the 2000 series, uh, holy fucking shit, you talk about great. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you, uh, it basically confirmed that Tila is the daughter of the sorceress, long suspected, uh, but never confirmed until now. Okay. Um, I didn't know that that wasn't established lore, so they just made it a thing. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't uh, definitive, just uh, implied. Uh, but yeah, yeah, because like I, the the this show kind of goes in in very interesting places when it when it comes to what's happening with the story. Um, one of the cool things in this season to me was that like Prince Adam at one point goes like. I've always wanted to try something, but I never know if it could. I never knew if it could work. Yeah, because Skeletor sword, has the power sword. Yeah, and, and he says because he says the 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 sword is the conduit. But I was always wondering if I could channel the power. Yeah, he's he said he's his exact words were the sword is just the conduit, but I was always the spark. Yeah, he's like let's so, see let's see what happens when I call down the power without the sword. I mean, he basically turns into the fucking Hulk, like. Yep. It was awesome. It was fucking so goddamn cool. Uh I mean it was cool until they, you know, went to is it Randor? Randor? The fuck is the king's name? Randor. Randor, yeah. okay. But yeah, King Randor was like, I was a bad father, sorry. <laughs> but in a more much more sentimental way. <laughs> uh but yeah, like that that scene was it was nice. It was good. Uh, I, I'd say honestly, the the more fascinating story in this in this part two was Evil Lynn's story. Oh, absolutely, loved it. Yeah, her entire background with being like a nobody, a street rat, if you will, and then being found by Skeletor and finding a place, but always knowing that he was abusive and it was a very Harley Quinn Joker relationship in that regard. Yes, yes. So I, I I really I really appreciated that. That was that was nice. But she at a certain point, um she is able to uh I guess Beastman is it Beastman, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Beastman convinces Evil Lynn that she is better than than Skeletor. And she's like, So here's the thing. I want your dick, but if you're oh if you're a god, it's gonna kill me. So why don't you power down? Yeah. Uh, and so he does, and she steals the fucking sword, calls down the power, and becomes a fucking lesbian god. Um, like, she looked fucking awesome. Yeah. I don't even know what her action figure would be called, but... God damn. Dark Lynn. Dark Lynn. Well, that's the funny part, is like, this show makes it very fucking clear that having God powers kind of 
makes you a little bit of a dick. Unless you're, you know, He-Man. Yeah. And that's that's the thing they focus on and they talk about. It's like, yeah, I've harnessed this power, but I always give it back and I share it. That's what I do. Yeah. Um, There was a. I thought it was very interesting how uh, Skeletor would go into the star field and then just gaze upon the universe and how when he's showing evil in, he's like, let me show you what there is out there, the vast nothingness that there is, Uh, which causes her to fucking lose her shit because she's like, there was never any meaning to anything. It's all chaos. Yeah. Um. Yeah, didn't she like just delete fucking Preternia? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Jesus, dude. Just wiped out and killed everybody in heaven and then summoned everybody from hell. Yeah, well, by doing so, she also summoned fucking Orko the White. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I was like, oh, Ark. Like, I, I think I immediately like text Andy. I was like, because he, because him and I were watching it roughly the same time, and I was just like, you didn't tell me Orko the White comes back. <laughs> he's, he's, he starts laughing. Oh my god, it was so dope. It was so fucking cool. We also didn't. Uh, maybe you mentioned it. And I just wasn't paying attention, but uh, uh, Tila basically gets the powers of the sorceress, doesn't she? Uh, yeah, she transcends and becomes the new sorceress. Yes. Yeah, which was. Because her mother, the original sorceress, well, the sorceress for this era, uh, is killed by Skeletor in the first episode of this season. Um, sorry, one, one quick second, just texting. No! Um, so, uh... uh There was a line that happened uh, like halfway through it or whatever. But uh, so after Orko comes back, like uh, uh, Prince Adam gets the sword again and becomes He-Man. Uh, but as he does so, he gives Skeletor his powers to become Skelegod. And there's a line, <laughs> there's a line where Skeletor goes, "Why?" <laughs> yeah. And then he says to him, "I want you to know what it feels like to save the universe." Um. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, dude, it was so fucking funny. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, why? Uh, but yeah, so, um, yeah, after that, uh, uh, fucking, I, I, it was interesting because Prince Adam and Skeletor were fighting Darklin. Then Adam gets the power back, but Darklin still has her power. And, uh, and then he gives it to Skeletor. So then it was Skelegod and He-Man versus Darklin, which was dope as shit. Mm-hmm. And then fucking Tila takes her power to the nth degree and takes and takes uh, um, uh, uh, Darklin into like this 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 realm that Tila basically has inside her mind, showing her the creation of a god or something to that effect, and just beats the fucking shit out of her, <laughs> like completely into submissive state. Um, but this in turn, like by doing this and, and fully accepting her fate brings magic back to Eternia in a sort of way and, and does so with the help of Adam. 
it was dope. Like, if Netflix doesn't renew and give us a second season of the show, this was a very satisfying ending. Well, the ending set up a second season. Oh, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, like it's it's plain it's painfully obvious that's the case. But uh if if it doesn't get a second season, I'm okay with yeah. how this ended. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. Um but Kevin Smith was always saying, Oh, it's a one and done thing. I think he was full of shit. And saying it's a one and done thing because it clearly sets up something beyond. And I hope it does come to a second season, but we'll see as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, why don't we give a grade to it? Uh, final thoughts on a grade, and then we'll uh, move on to Hawkeye. Um, uh, I, I totally give it an a, an a. It's a lot of fun. It expands upon greatly expands upon the existing lore, uh, the original lore. Uh, it takes things that people were suspicious of or had theories of, confirms them or denies them. Uh, some things it doesn't even broach the subject at all, like who Skeletor is, his whole origin story, uh, because Skeletor is technically Adam's uncle. Uh, he is the half-brother of Randor. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. His, the show definitely he, doesn't talk about that. Or the the show doesn't talk about that, but it is established in other lore. Um, but I don't know. That was many comic stuff, then the 2000X series stuff uh, that confirmed all that. But it was alluded to back in the 80s originally. But yeah, I mean, that's something they didn't touch on. But they did confirm Tila's the daughter of the sorceress, and she is the new sorceress, and that's awesome. You know, uh, as for nostalgia, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for the original show, and a lot of people do. Uh, I had a nostalgia for the toys and the mini comics. Uh, Certainly not the live-action movie. Oh, my God, what a piece of shit. Um, Well, that depends on what you're looking for, because I think that movie is about as fun as, like, the... Mario Brothers movie or Mortal Kombat or something like it. It's so cheesy and bad that it becomes entertaining. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, this this show rivals, uh, I won't say it surpasses the 2000X series that originally aired back in 2002-3. Started in there. Uh, late 2002, early 2003. That series is phenomenal. This is really, really fucking good. Uh, if I were, but there's a lot less content there. But the direction that they're going and the story that they're telling, and if they do further continue to tell it, I will be ecstatic. Uh, but as for what we do have, I'd give it a solid fucking A. I'm going to go to A+. Plus. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Coming from somebody who barely watched the original show, uh, who didn't know the lore, like, this show does an excellent job at keeping your attention. Like Netflix has a really good track record with coming out with a really solid animated show based off of an existing property um, that like just fucking rocks. 
uh voltron castlevania now masters of the universe like it's it's they're, they they do well in those regards same animation studio that did castlevania did masters of the universe revelations not surprised their fucking quality is there like that's excellent news didn't know that but the quality is there um so yeah uh i mean you know mirror everything that you said i think i i really hope for a second season I hope in you know six months time we suddenly get like part one of season two, but yeah, if you haven't watched this yet, it's just it's ten short episodes that, and it it fucking tells a goddamn great story. Um, shit, I look at this like if you watch this in 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 a straight run through, it's it's like three parts, it's like three movies back to back. Um, but anyway, so let's talk about Hawkeye. Um. We've talked about the first three episodes last week. Um, so today we're only talking about episode four. Uh, this episode, uh, how does it begin? I forgot how it begins. They're in uh, Kate's mom's penthouse. That's right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and because um, Jack had pulled the Roman sword out at the end of the last episode saying, who are you and how did you get in here? I keep wanting to call calling him by his comic book character name. <clears throat> Which is the swordsman for anyone that doesn't know. He was a uh he was an anti-hero kind of character, but at first he started off as a villain to the Avengers. So um but uh but yeah, like Kate's mom is very concerned for Kate's safety and health. She expresses that to uh, Clint. Clint, and Clint understands because he has you know children of his own. Um, I don't. One of the parts of this show that I or this episode that I really loved was the bonding between Kate and Clint uh, in the apartment. Yeah, when he's like. He goes back to that apartment that he's staying in the safe house, as she refers to it, which is yeah. her aunt's place. Um, and he takes all the frozen daiquiri mixes and he's just ta taping them up around his body where he's aching in pain, like icing up his shoulders, icing up his knee, his wrist. And she shows up with Lucky the Pizza Dog pizza and a bunch of movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, she remembered that Clint would do a uh, Christmas movie marathon with the kids. And, um, uh, he was like, he, he says, we're like, I really appreciate that. Cause you know, he can't be at home with his family right now, which also, yeah. by the way, there's some fucking major history with, uh, um, uh, Clint's wife. Like there's a point where she gives information and speaks in goddamn German for like a second. Yeah. I'm like, was she, was she a shield agent at one point? Like the fuck is happening? Like I hope they explore that because that 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 had me super fascinated. But uh, um, but yeah, like uh, he he also then explains to her in that same apartment scene later in the night because he tr he tr he teaches her how to like flick a, a quarter or a, a coin, uh, but not a dime because they're too late. Um, and uh, towards the end of the evening, like he kind of expresses to her how in a way, how much he regrets, especially during the blip 
uh, I don't know. There's there's conversation between them where it was like it kind of got really deep and heavy for like a second. I really appreciated that because one of the things I was really hoping the show did was kind of make Clint more human and less superhuman, like the movies have made him. Yeah. So that was, I thought that was really cool. Um, the, uh, the, 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 turn what happened the next day after they woke up. She had to get the trick arrows back. I just remembered it as you started talking. And he went, he went to pay a visit to Kazi. Yeah. She had to go talk to the, <clears throat> the fucking LARPers. LARPers again. Which uh, fucking oh man, I hope they're a reoccurring character because that like they're so, so fucking funny. It is so fucking funny. Um, but yeah, she she gets the they she gets them to bring the arrows back, but by like posing as like she she agrees to help them with the LARPing stuff. Uh oh, sorry. <sighs> but yeah, um, yeah, you said Clint goes to see Kazi because he's like. I don't remember what he tells uh, Kazi, but he basically, in, in in a roundabout sort of way, like this needs to be over. This needs to be done with. So, yeah, he said we need to put this Ronan situation to bed uh, because if not, it's going to get people killed, and I don't want anybody else to die. Yeah, and uh, takes Kazi's gun and knife and whatnot. And then fuck, that that was also really funny was after he says that because he's like, you have Echo's ear. Um, so I need you to kind of squash this shit. And then he gets out of the car and because uh, he's like, can I have my gun back? And he was like, how do you yeah, think? What do you think? <laughs> uh, and as he does that fucking uh, you see him in the rear view or like the, the window in the back just fucking hucking his gun. It, dude, that killed me. It was so fucking funny. Um, but yeah, uh, I kind of hope that that does end up going somewhere because, um, something about like his character and Echo, like I know that they, they aren't bad guys forever. And I know that Echo's getting her own show. So, um, and we all, we all love Maya around here, right, Maya? Oh, Absolutely. Representation matters. Representation <laughs> matters. Um, but yeah, he gets back to the apartment. The 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 LARPers who also work at the NYC NY. Well, they're they're first respond first responders primarily. Uh, so most of them are firefighters, but there is one cop among them. Okay, that's right. Uh, but yeah, she brings back the trick arrows, and like it's a great conversation where she has them in a duffel bag. And she goes, uh, you didn't bring your own bag? And he was like, no, was I supposed to or something like that? And she goes, well, I can't give you this. This this is my bag. It was embroidered. Like, you can see it right here. And he, then Kate's like, we'll, we'll bring it back. We promise. Like, and, and don't worry about it. That, that was so fucking funny. Um, now, what I don't remember, or at least I don't remember if they said it, what was the significance of the watch? Uh, they alluded to significance of it being I think uh, I think it may have been Natasha's because my thought process is it belonged to whoever Echo works for 
And so be, it being an expensive watch, I know a ton of people are like, oh, it's Kingpin's watch. Oh. Well, yeah, they just said that it was transmitting. Uh, it was pinging. And he was telling Kate, he said, there's something in there that belongs to me or that's very important to me that I've got to get back before anybody, before any of this can come to an end. And he's teaching her how to look for not so much quick entries, but quick exits instead of the other way around. And all of a sudden he notices she's gone. He's like, Hey, who, who's going to pay attention to be the lookout me or you? He's like, just because you're right doesn't mean you should get your way <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or something yeah. along those lines. But she breaks um, into the apartment, finds right. the watch, and then Echo is there. And at the same time, Clint gets jumped by somebody. Dude, I'm not joking. Like, this legitimately happened while we were watching this. I looked at my dad and I yelled. I went, I know who that is. And he yeah. Was like, he was like, who is it? And I was like, and and I was right. I yelled. I was like, it's fucking Elena. And he was like, how do you know? And I was like, we both watched Black Widow. You watched it three times. Did you not watch the end credits again? He was like, oh, that's right. Well, are you sure yeah. that's Elena? I'm like, she just used her taser gauntlets. Yes, it's her. <laughs> yeah, she used her widow stings. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, the stingers is what the technically they're called. Um and he was like, he was like, uh, he he was impressed that I picked that up. I'm like, I'm sure most people did. I don't think I'm in a fucking like a league of my own there. Um, but uh, that was dope. Like I that that fight scene was so fucking rad. And then he tried. Yeah, to, like, it was. Like Kate got knocked off the building, but she had a uh, she had a tether tied to her waist, and yeah. Clint cut her loose and said, "Run or like get out of here," or something to that effect, and. So they, they, she, she was like, nope, fuck that. Goes up top and uses like a fucking, a blinding arrow. I don't know what to call it. It was, it was, uh, a it stun was a arrow. Pulse. It was a, yeah, a stun arrow. It admitted a bright flash and a sonic, uh, boom as well. Yeah. Um, it was like a hyper powered stun grenade, if, if anything. But, um, yeah, like, and then she points the fucking arrow at, at, uh, she actually fired know? one into Echo, and Echo's like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. And then and she then, points one at Yelena, and then, yeah. Lena just shakes her head no, and then she puts her, puts the bow down, and then fucking pieces out. So, damn. Like, I'm glad that's come back around. I'm yeah, I'm gen- I'm genuinely hoping that either next episode or the finale introduces Kingpin. It won't be next episode because if it does that, it'll steal some of the thunder from Spider-Man: No Way Home. Fair enough. Fair enough. If if and this is a big if, you know, Kingpin shows up, it won't be until the finale. Yeah. Yeah. You're no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like. Yeah, because there's a lot of hinting towards stuff. Like Kevin Feige just casually dropping that Charlie Cox will play Daredevil whenever he appears in the MCU. And we're like, was that leak real then that we saw? <laughs> I mean, 
Well, and that's the thing is if if Charlie Cox does or like yeah, if he does appear in uh, Spider Man No Way Home, he's not going to appear as the Daredevil. He's going to appear as Charlie or as Matt Murdock, helping Pete with his legal stuff because of what's you know the the legal ramifications of being exposed in that regard. Um, because I don't that that would be very. It'd be weird to just have Daredevil randomly show up in that movie. You know what I mean? Like oh, having yeah. having Matt there makes sense. Having uh having uh Kingpin show up without be like him him just being a presence and not actually showing his power makes more sense than than any other anything else when it comes to Hawkeye. So dude, I I really really hope that's the case. I really hope that we get to see him, but We'll see. Um, well, why don't we go ahead and give this episode a grade, um, and then we'll talk about next, or not next week, but the week after that, and and then we'll close it out. Well, you go first, and so I went first last time. Uh, I'm going to give the episode a solid B plus. Um, uh, you know, A minus. Fuck it. I'm going to go up a grade. I think that whatever's going on. Oh, sorry. The the opening scene was a little like because. Episode three ended with a with a sword to, to Clint's throat, and then episode four ends up with like a they're fucking having fucking room. tea. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. Like that was a very that that cliffhanger didn't fucking go anywhere. Great. Um, but after that, the show just like the 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 nice bonding moment between Clint and Kate, and then the fucking action sequence at the end. I was like, oh, this was a great episode. Uh, fucking genuinely loved it. Um. But it's it's also shame we get six episodes out of the show, so you know it is what it is. But uh, but yeah, uh, I mean it's we didn't get any new actors in the show other than Yelena or new characters, I should say. But even in that regard, like we know that um, the fucking actress's name that plays Florence her. Pugh. Florence Pugh, thank you. It is a fucking great actress. So like we've seen her in the MCU already, and we we know that she's good. But I'm also loving this like new tying the movies with the TV shows thing. Yeah. Like, because the old the old stuff, like in the in phase one, two, and three, like those shows are no longer canon because they just didn't tie into the movies at all. So it's nice they would that... reference the movies, but the movie wouldn't reference them. Exactly. So <clears throat> I'm glad that we're getting that now it's just all one thing. So but uh what's your grade? Oh, I'll give it a. I, I I agree with you, A minus. I think it's pretty well done. Uh, a little slow in the beginning, but I understand why. Yeah, um, the, the dining room scene was funny, but it was like it was just a little yeah. bit of a letdown after the ending of last week. But uh, well, all right. So that's that. All right, folks. Uh. We're going to call it there. Um, I, next week is going to be uh, interesting because we're only going to be talking about episode five of uh, Hawkeye. We're not adding anything else to the list because the following week is going to be jam fucking packed on this show. We're going to be talking about the finale of Hawkeye. Um, Witcher season two. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. And something else. What was it? Uh, South Park post COVID part two. 
Thank you. Yes, I need to write that down just so I do not forget it. It's yeah. So it's uh, let's see, SP No Way Home, uh, Witcher S two, um, South Park COVID P two, and I've lost the last one. Oh, Hawkeye finale. <laughs> Hawkeye finale. So, yeah, it's it is it's going to be a packed show the following week. So next week, just Hawkeye, uh, penultimate episode to the season. Um, and I might bring a game to the table. We'll see. I have no idea. Uh, thinking of a few that I could try to make, but we'll get there. Maybe we can do another one of uh, your uh, headline one. It's been a while since we've done that. Um, but yeah, uh, that's it. That's it. That's all. Um, make sure you guys follow us on all the socials, which are listed down below. Uh, that's where if we add anything or do anything different, that's where you'll be able to find us. Also, you can interact with us by like, if you go to the Teespring store and buy a shirt or something that's on there, uh, you can kind of tag us in a post and we'll definitely throw you a like and a follow. And if you want us to share it on our page, we can totally do that too. Um, boy, I nailed two things in one right there. I don't know if you caught that, Maya. Uh, also, go check out the YouTube channel. That's where we have our live version of the show. Um, or not live, but the video version of the show. Um, and uh, I need to start uh, uh, reviewing and uploading like clips of things that I watch by myself. But that's when I'm less busy. Um but that's it. That's it. That's all I have on my notes. Maya, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook under my name. Uh, it's a public profile. So follow me on there if you choose. And if you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, they're linked to my public Facebook. Uh, and you can follow from there. If you want to catch me on shows, I do another podcast on the Realm of Collectors YouTube channel every other Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. An action figure review podcast called Figure Banging. Um, it's where we look at a usually a transformer uh, latest release, go through all the features, accessories, and uh, joke around like juveniles uh, because we're just overgrown kids. Fair enough. And we interact with the chat, and it's fun. And then sometimes I do appear on Shelf Gravy on alternating Wednesdays. It's a customization, diorama building, painting, uh, technique, DIY kind of show. So if you're into that kind of stuff, check it out. And those are both on the Realm of Collectors YouTube channel. And that's everywhere I'm at. What about you, Greg? Uh, you can follow me on all the socials uh, under Chub Rock Geek. Um, uh, Anthony and I are going right. to be doing a, uh, a an episode of Mission Start Podcast that's going to tie into the Game Awards, which comes out tonight as of recording this, so yesterday. Um, the... Uh, I'm very excited for the Game Awards because that's where they announce a lot of new things. And it's, uh, oh, it's exciting. It's just very exciting. So, and I know they're going to show a trailer for the upcoming Halo show and uh, for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, um, which had some interesting news yesterday that the, um, uh, the voice actress that's done Tales for years now in the games and other things is going to be doing the voice of tales for the movie. 
Meanwhile, we still have uh, um, oh, who did Sonic? What's his name? The comedian. I want to say Schwartzman is his last name, but that's not correct. Jason Schwartzman? No, it's not Jason Schwartzman. Oh my gosh! I don't know. I've not seen it. I'm looking it up, but Idris Elba is playing Knuckles. Oh, cool! And the the poster they released yesterday has fucking Jim Carrey fully looking like Doctor Robotnik, or I'm sorry, Eggman. Um, hmm. Ben Schwartz, that's his name. Oh, Ben Schwartz. I know Ben Schwartz. Yeah, dude's hilarious. But I'm very excited to see that trailer. Um, and and God knows what the fuck else. Like, it's going to be solid. But yeah, so um, we're going to have a podcast. We're going to talk about that. We, uh, I do need to send him some stuff that because uh, we made our predictions yesterday, and we made little videos, and then I have them written down in a document folder. So we'll see if I if I'm correct. And it wasn't like on who I think deserves to win because I didn't play every game this year. You know, I I I don't have a PS5. I can't play Deathloop. Um, I don't have a P I don't have a good enough PC to play a lot of PC games. So I have limited time in my life. <coughs> if my, if it was my choice, uh, it takes two and, and psychonauts two would have won everything, but that's all the fuck I played besides fall guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, again, Hawkeye episode five. Uh, probably a game or something, maybe some trivia. Who the fuck knows? We'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, join us next week. And um, sorry, I'm what I'm supposed to say is, hold on, what do I have written down here? Let's see. Let's check my notes. This is, this is 180 episodes, and he still has this problem. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. <laughs>